Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Then I see a land where children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me and walk this lovely. can be, but will you be, is really the uh, the question. Uh, I am Yada. I'm here with uh, Kirk and Dee. And we uh, entered new territory here um, on this program. This is something now that I've been part of for better part of 20 years, uh, speaking out on behalf of Israel, Israel. Yahudim, Jews, um, on behalf of Yahweh, uh, your God, the God. Uh, been writing about him, uh, translating his testimony out of the oldest extant sources, the Dead Sea Scrolls, for a uh, better part of 22 years now. And while Yahweh's timeline, uh, and that is God's one and only name, it's uh, not only okay to say it, uh, the only means to salvation, to formulate a relationship with him, is to know it and say it. It's easily pronounced, so don't let anybody <laughs> fool you. It's <laughs> written with four vowels, uh, one of them repeated, so it's only three letters that you have to uh, pronounce. It. And the proper pronunciation of them is uh, explained in the verb that his name is based upon, Haya, to exist and upon the place where you would go to find out how he introduced himself to Moshe and to the rest of the world uh, through the Torah. It was 22 years ago, uh, this past September, that uh, a God whose name I did not know at the time asked me to engage and work with him, which seemed fairly startling since uh, I had no credentials of any kind. Uh, And uh, there had to be many more qualified people until he told me what he wanted done initially, which is why there was no one else who was willing. He wanted me to expose and condemn Islam. 
I did so. I wrote a book called initially called Tea with Terrorists about my meeting with Al-Qaeda, uh, with Hamas, with Islamic Jihad. Um, back uh, within, well, days of uh, 9-11. And that uh, book became as well as popular worldwide as almost any book ever written on on Islam. It is irrefutable. Uh, it uh, is a thousand pages of very tightly dense text that exposes Allah and Muhammad uh, in their own words. I uh, left that project, although I made it free online for anyone to read worldwide, and I did 5,000 radio interviews um, on syndicated talk radio programs to let people know that it was there and what they would learn. Um, some 20 years ago, uh, I moved on to translating Yahweh's testimony. And it was just, it was not until October 7th of this year that I returned to Prophet of Doom and I'm in the process now of rewriting it. I have finished the first of what will be four volumes, so the rewrite is extensive. Uh, first volume is called Snake in the Desert. Uh, it's available at Amazon uh, for the, uh, the cost of, of printing and shipping uh, without royalty. It is available for a, as an e-book for, I think, about 25 cents. Uh, and it is uh, also available for free in its entirety on the yadaya.com website, out of the far end of the shelf. Within a week or so, I will have completed Volume 2, uh, which is going to be about 750 pages of uh, translations of the Quran and Hadith, along with extensive commentary. Uh, and the reason this is so timely, and the reason I want to discuss it uh, with Israel in particular, with Jews, is because of what happened on October 7th, and what it means for uh, the nation of Israel and for the ethnicity of Jews. You are the luckiest people on earth. There is a God, his name is Yahweh, and he chose you. As a matter of fact, Within Jew, Yahud is Yahweh's name. It means beloved of Yah. You're the unluckiest people in the world because for the last better part of 3,000 years, you've done everything you can do to upset the Almighty. And it is particularly hazardous to your future that you've chosen to be religious. It is the most often discussed topic throughout the Torah and Prophets, is God's disgust with his people's tendency to be religious. The people who are the furthest from Yahweh, from a relationship with God amongst Jews, are the Herodim, followed by all other Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews. But God's not fond of politics either, and and so if you're at the far end of the spectrum and you would consider yourself a progressive, you have no hope of knowing the Almighty. And this is now particularly important because we are nearing the very end 
of life as we know it on this planet. And listen, I'm, I'm not a pessimist. I'm not a naysayer. I'm not a doom prepper. I'm just going to tell you what Yahweh told us because it's important for you to know. What happened on October 7th, Yahweh predicted. Uh, and what he actually had to say is how what you witnessed on October 7th, even though it was unimaginably horrific with some 2,500 to 3,000 Islamic jihadists um, mutilating, raping, plundering, using arson, torturing, terrorizing, kidnapping, doing the worst of all possible behaviors, trying to denigrate, desecrate, humble, terrorize Jews doing it deliberately. It is only about, well, at the very uh, uh, least 10%, and I think likely 1% of what Yahweh has predicted and is inevitable. And it's important that you know that, that, uh, that the next attack, once Israel has finished its campaign in Gaza. And once Israel comes to realize that the political campaigns and platitudes by the IDF that was asleep, not only in terms of its intelligence, completely overwhelmed and comatose regarding the intelligence on what was going to occur. In fact, I actually predicted the nature of this attack a year before it occurred on this program. And yet, the IDF intelligence, the Shin Bet, the Mossad, even with dossiers on it, couldn't figure it out. But the next attack isn't going to be two or 3,000 jihadists. No. It's going to be 200 or 300,000 jihadists. The initial salvo isn't going to be 2,500 rockets and drones. It's going to be 250,000 rockets and drones. You're not going to be putting out fires in parking lots and, uh, and an occasional building here and there. And you're not going to be wondering why the Iron Dome only had a 92 or 3% effective rate because the number of rockets, missiles, and drones is going to exceed the Iron Dome's capacity by as much as 50 to 1. It will be rendered useless. Cities will be ablaze. And at the same time, under the cover of that aerial assault, Islamic terrorists from Lebanon, which would obviously be Hezbollah, Syria, again, I mean through what's known as the West Bank, it's really Judea and Samaria, the Fakistinians, 
who are now almost universally aligned with Hamas. And likely even jihadists from Saudi Arabia, Egypt. Collectively, they will attack Israel from all sides. There will be flotillas, flotillas coming in from Turkey as well. It's going to be such that the border communities of Israel will be overrun, even worse than what the 22 communities, many kibbutzim in southern Israel, experienced on October 7th. I don't say this to scare you. I don't say this because I want it to happen by God. I want it not to happen. I have risked my life these past 22 years to keep it from happening. I don't think there's anyone on the planet who has received more death threats trying to protect Israel than I have. But I want you to know that it is going to happen. And the IDF will not be able to save Israel. And as a result of it happening, Israel is going to be in a position where it will try, it will be sued for peace. And cost of that peace will be slicing the country in two, thinning Israel at the waist. It's been prophesied by the great prophet Yahshua Isaiah. And immediately after that happens, there'll be even more jihadists entering Israel, and the world will be engulfed in World War III. And while the world's engulfed in World War III, it's not going to give a hoot to what happens in Israel. And as you have learned from this experience with Gaza and the Muslims there, is you're all alone. Now, I'm telling you the truth so that you know what's going to happen. It is unavoidable. It will happen. There is nothing you can do to stop it, but you can personally be saved from it. And we're going to conclude this review talking about what it is you can do to protect yourself and your family so that you personally experience no harm. Guaranteed. Now, what I said a moment ago is that politicians are promising that they're going to achieve complete victory against Hamas. And even on the evening of October 7th, I went to the radio, the air, and said, no, that's, I knew that's what you were going to do, but it can't be done. You could stay in Gaza for the next, well, you don't have a thousand years, but if you had it, you could stay in there for a thousand years and you could continue to lash out at Hamas and you would find that the more Hamas terrorists you killed, the more Hamas terrorists there would be. You can't prevail against a religious enemy with bullets and bombs. You make more of them, not less of them. Now, I'm not saying that therefore you should take it on the chin and have let them have their way with you. I have no issue with Israel uh, bombarding Gaza. I don't think there is such thing as an innocent civilian in Gaza. And if you'd watched them bring Israeli captives who they had raped 
who they had mutilated, kidnapped, tortured, back into Gaza, the streets, they were lined with women and children celebrating, just as Muslims have celebrated worldwide at that carnage. They're all complicit. Everyone. Even the little children that they like to show, they're a jihadist in waiting. A woman is a terrorist manufacturing facility. They're as brutal, as indoctrinated, as vicious as the men. That is so true. You you can't wipe out Hamas. Can't be done. We'd love for you to do it, but I'm a realist. And I know Islam better than does Sinwar, than does Nasrallah, than does the Ayatollah, than does anyone else on the planet. I know exactly who Allah is. He's Satan. Muhammad was the devil's advocate. I don't say that to, to be insulting. I say it because it's the truth and I can prove it. You're fighting the devil. And you shouldn't be surprised because someone couldn't do what they did on October 7th and rape mutilated bodies if they were not demon-possessed. That's who you're fighting. Now, fortunately, the devil's lost his mojo. He can't do squat. He's as impotent as a defanged snake lying on a rock under someone's boot. Completely and totally impotent. But unfortunately, he has inspired a number of religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam in particular. And there are millions of people around the world screaming Allahu Akbar who will kill for him. So it's deadly in that regard. And what you've seen around the world is a coalition of opposites, but with one thing in common. They hate Jews. And this coalition is Muslims. We're around the world. It's about 95% in polls think that what Hamas did in Israel mutilating, kidnapping, torturing, was a good thing. They celebrate it. They approve it. They want more of it. There's two billion of them on the planet. And once upon a time, my solution right after 9-11 when I wrote Prophet of Doom, which was to quarantine them, would have resolved this problem. You didn't need to go kill them. Just stop selling them arms. Stop letting them emigrate out of Islamic countries. And if you did those two things, October 7th wouldn't have occurred. Jews wouldn't be living in fear throughout Europe and the United States. For a Jew to appear Jewish now in America and in Europe, almost any place in the world, is an open invitation for Muslims to lash out and kill them. 
And unfortunately, opposites, progressives, the political left, have decided to take up the Islamic cause. And they are as vocal against Israel and Jews as are the Muslims. Some 90% of American youth under the age of 25 thinks that Hamas was right to plunder, terrorize, and mutilate and torture Jews on October 7th. They think that the solution to this problem is for Hamas to eliminate Israel. Half of America's youth, up to 90% in some polls, think it's appropriate to do so. America, it's over for you. Those young people aren't worth the air they breathe. They have no conscience, no morality, no sense of judgment, no ability to discern right and wrong. Christians in America, almost two-thirds of them think that the solution is the two-state solution, and that is what you're being cajoled into. The world tried that with Neville Chamberlain right before the world was enveloped in World War II. He offered Czechoslovakia, which was not his to give, to the imposing terrorist and military threat of Nazi Germany, thinking he would appease them. Mm-hmm. We're having a contest now for who's going to be the next Neville Chamberlain. Will it be Joe Biden? Will it be Sinwar? Will it be Nesrallah? Will it be MBS? Who's going to be the next Neville Chamberlain? Will it be a Jewish politician? Because it's going to happen. And when it happens, Israel will be less than five miles wide with a cut right going right through its narrowest portion where 70% of the Jewish population resides. And then all the rest of the Jewish population will be near the borders of the organizations like Fatah and Hamas, Gaza, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. It's a crime ready to happen. And the United States is going to impose that two-state solution. And the rest of the world is clamoring for it. And to think this time that it is so radically different than it was the last time. And again, I, I know that what I'm telling you sounds fatalistic and awful, and you may want to shut off this program and stop listening to it, but I beg you to listen. Don't do it, yeah. There is hope, but you need to know your present reality. You need to know what is going to occur. I've been doing this now under the leadership and inspiration of Yahweh for 22 years. I've made a lot of bold statements. Never once have I been wrong. And I'm not going to be wrong this time either. I don't say that because I want a following. I don't. I have no interest in one. I don't want accolades. I will reject them. I don't want your money. I don't want your anything. I just want you to know. It's enough that you know. 
the two-state solution this time is so much worse than what Neville Chamberlain did because at the point that Neville Chamberlain gave the high ground of Czechoslovakia to Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler hadn't attacked yet. And even when he did attack, he was far less ruthless and demonic than the Muslims who attacked on October 7th. And this time, it would be after the Muslims attacked in 1948, 1967, 1973, and once again this year. So to cede large swaths of Israel to these terrorists after they have terrorized as a reward for them having terrorized is far more immoral, far more insane, and yet it's being touted by every progressive worldwide. It's only discussed in Islamic circles as a means to an end. As Iran said quite recently, you know, we have an agreement with Israel. Neither one of us want the two-state solution. They want all of Israel. Now, Israel is no longer in a position where it can defend itself. It's it has uh, pushed America to the point, uh, I'm not sure it's pushed, but America now is to the point where because of what happened in the last election, which is young women carried the last election for Biden. That's just a statement of fact again. I'm not besmirching anyone. It's just a statement of fact. They came out in much higher numbers and they voted almost universally for Biden. And now with younger and younger people entering the polls, and them being more and more progressive, America's support of Israel is uh, within uh, months, uh, maybe a year of being over. And there is no other protector. Look at the UN votes against Israel. You have five or six countries that are, well, I think the largest of them was like Nicaragua or Guatemala, and the rest are islands someplace. And the rest of the world, 200 plus countries, is against you. Blame the Jews has been the number one conspiracy in the world for a very long time. Now, in Israel, you don't have a solution. The reason you don't have a solution is that, unfortunately, you have no constitution and you've adopted the parliamentary system of uh, your uh, one of your most arch foes, Britain. The British are a great enemy of Israel. And that parliamentary system requires bribing of coalitions. And there really isn't a coalition anymore. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu, for lots of good reasons, has it's over for him. His approval ratings are, you know, five or six percent. Well, they're slightly better than they are for a boss. I think a boss's approval rating right now is one percent, which it just makes America's. We're going to have a boss in Fatah oversee Gaza insane. So Likud with Netanyahu, polls at about uh, 12 seats, down from 30-some-odd. 
without Netanyahu, it's uh, high teens. Gantz Unity Party, you might say, well, that's the solution. He's now in the mid-30s, but it's not the way it's going to be because that's a coalition of two parties and they will split for the next election. Um, Lapid's party, which uh, had some, what, 18, 20 seats in the last uh, election, well, he is the one of the great enemies of Israel as well. Progressives, what they did in, uh, in, in opposition to judicial reform was suicidal. And, uh, and he looks like a jackass now. And so his support is down to, well, almost threshold level. He isn't going to help anybody. And what we found in this last election is that if you bribe the religious parties, the Haredim, into a coalition, it costs the country its, its soul. They're parasites. That's all they are is parasites. Israel would be vastly better off without them. Absolutely. So what do you have? How do you form a government? I don't think you do. So what now? The world is against you. You have no friends. You have two billion people surrounding you that want to annihilate you. And they're going to try. And unfortunately, because of the way the United States uh, started this war in the Ukraine and has sanctioned uh, Russia and has done everything they could do to push Russia and Iran together, uh, put Iran in the position really where it could do what it did to Israel on October 7th, if they don't over already have the bomb, it's, uh, it's a fait accompli. And Israel's no longer in a position where you could do anything about it. So now what? When the United States decided to sanction Russia, what it did is it pushed most nations away from the United States. BRICS all of a sudden gained enormous momentum. And Early next year, you're going to see Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and, and others join BRICS, and you're going to see the petrodollar be a thing of the past. And once that occurs, the United States economy goes into freefall. Hmm. Now what? And let's just say that the United States prevailed and provided enough hundreds of billions of dollars of weaponry to the Ukraine that... Uh, the Ukraine was able to take the battle to the Russians. Let's just say that's what happens. Or the Russians say we can't fight this battle anymore. The United States has supplied too many weapons. Then what? Do you think they go quietly into the night? No, sir. Or do they lash out with the nuclear weapons? Yeah. It's a fait of complaint. Mm-hmm. The United States has done everything it could do that is wrong. And Europe has applauded all along. And now you've got the mouse that roared, the Houthis, precluding international shipping from going up the Suez Canal. 
Oh, so the United States is there with great force. What's the United States going to do? Go to war with the Houthis? And we tried that in Afghanistan. How well did that turn out for us? That's really the difference between the Houthis and the Taliban. When we ended that, we began that war, the Taliban controlled about 10% of Afghanistan. When we ended the war, it's 100%. How'd that work out for us? Mm. We invaded Iraq because we lied and said that that Saddam Hussein was harboring al-Qaeda when he hated bin Laden, hated fundamentalist Muslims. We broke the country and gave it to Iran. How'd that work out for us? That's your supposed ally, Israel. All around the world, it's becoming more and more difficult to be a Jew. You know, Jews are now recognizing they can't live in the UK anymore. They can't live in Germany anymore. They can't live in Spain anymore. They can't live in France anymore. And soon they won't be able to live in the United States anymore. And so they're going to need to migrate to Israel. And there they're at risk of marauding Muslims. So let me tell you what the plan is so that you know where hope is. In three months less than ten years, it's all over. The God whose name, Jews, you have written out of your life has not written you out of his life. And he is returning. His name is Yahweh. He's returning on Yom Kippurim, which is not the day of affliction. It's not a high holy day. It's the day of reconciliations. It is the last time that Jews will be afforded the opportunity to come home, to recognize Yahweh, and to greet your Messiah and Savior. Turns out, there really was a son of God. He's not that mythical character named Jesus Christ. His name is Dode. Yahweh refers to him as his son. He says, I am his father. He calls him his firstborn. There really was a Messiah. Dode David was anointed at eight years old. Yahweh continually says, he is my Messiah, he is your Messiah. He is the Messiah who is returning. And Israel, this is the greatest surprise of all for you, is not only is Yahweh returning, and he is returning with the Messiah, Dod, the former king, Malak of Yisrael. Dod has been here not once, but twice before. You see, the Son of God and the Messiah actually fulfilled Passover, unyeasted bread, and firstborn children in year 4000, yeah, 33 CE. Dode is your Savior. He's the one who volunteered to become the Passover lamb. Remember when Yahweh told Abraham, don't, don't you injure your one and only son, your beloved son? I'll provide the lamb. He did with his beloved son. 
not because Yahweh chose to do it that way, but because Dode chose to do it that way. He volunteered for this mission. His corporal body, Bashar, served as the Pesach Gael, so that you might live forever. And then he did the most amazing thing in the history of the universe. He volunteered to fulfill matzah. Now, if you're Jewish, chances are you don't even know what matzah is. You're going to think it's that cracker on the shelf. Because your rabbis have beguiled you into believing that Passover is a seven-day holiday, and it commemorates the exodus from Egypt. It's not true. First of all, you didn't leave Egypt until matzah. And second, matzah is seven days, not Pesach. Pesach is the first day of matzah. Third day of matzah is Bakurim. Pesach is not the most important day. It is matzah. In fact, Pesach without matzah is counterproductive because it means that you would have eternal life and you would still be laden with your guilt, which means eternal separation and Sheol. That's a bad outcome. That's what Judaism is practicing. That's what Christianity is practicing. Passover without matzah. Matzah is the time that our souls are perfected. The way matzah works is that Dode volunteered after fulfilling Pesach with his corporal body to have his nefesh soul be laden with the guilt of every covenant member. And he carried it into Sheol on matzah in year 4000 Yah on the 80th celebration of the Yobel. And he deposited all of our guilt there in Sheol, which is akin to a black hole, where it will never be seen again. Our guilt is gone. We are not guilty. We look perfect in God's eyes because he took it all with him. Two days, horrific. Beaten to a pulp and tortured on a death stake by the Romans and then tormented in Sheol, successful in taking our guilt with him. Also that he could be the first of the firstborn children of Bukurim, allowing us to enter God's covenant family, you to enter God's covenant family, perfected. That's what those Moed Mikre, there's seven of them. I know that the Jewish holidays have screwed them all up, but there's seven of them. Those seven provide the path home. Pesach is the doorway to life, the doorway to God's home, the threshold for entering that home to remove all the political and religious garbage that God will not allow into his home occurs on matzah when our guilt was taken by Dode and deposited in Sheol. We are then adopted, becoming part of God's covenant family on Bakurim, the third of the seven steps home. Then, seven sevens later, on the promise of seven, Shabuah, God enriches and empowers and enlightens and emancipates 
the covenant's children. Because we benefit from Shabuah and God's enlightenment and enrichment and empowerment, we can do what we're doing now. We can speak to you about the only hope you have if you're Jewish. It's the only hope you have if you're Goy too. And if you're a Goy, we want you to listen. We want you to join God's covenant family. It's open for all who are not religious and political, who are willing to learn about Yahweh, to discover what he is offering and expecting in return. But you are not our audience. Yahweh asked us to reach out to his people, Yisrael, and call you home. The fourth of the seven steps has not yet been fulfilled. It will be, likely, in uh, 2029 on Teruah. If you're Jewish, you probably don't even know what Teruah is, because like matzah, your rabbis have eliminated it from your calendar. They've eliminated Bukurim and Shabuah as well. But they've done even worse with Teruah. They have renamed it Rosh Hashanah, which is head of the year dealing with the Babylonian New Year because God's year begins on Abib 1, seven months earlier. But it is on Teruah that we pronounce this message. And let me tell you something that you may question, but it's still important for you to know. Yahweh must have said it two or three hundred times, so it shouldn't be a secret. Yahweh has chosen a final witness. This man did not volunteer for this job. He was chosen for this job. He was then equipped to do this job. And Yahweh has promoted this job that he is doing. Mm-hmm. There are a number of, uh, of Jews that are aware of what is said in Zechariah and in Malachi about the return of Elijah. Elijah. Yah is God. You don't know when, but I'll tell you when. And you don't know who is joining him or why. But I'll tell you both. It's important that you know. Elijah is returning on the 14th of Abib in 2030, three years before Yahweh and Dod returned together on Kippurim. And on that date, he will be joined by Yahweh's last witness, someone who heretofore most thought was unnamed, but no, he is named. He is the Choder. There's an entire chapter about him in Yeshia, the 11th chapter. He is the Nakri. There's an entire speech about him on the original Sermon on the Mount when Solomon dedicated the just-completed home of the covenant family on Moriah. He is an observant foreigner. Choder means that he is a sucker off of the original rootstock a stem from the original branch, that rootstock, and branches dote. He is a Bashar, which is a herald, heralding Dode's return. 
He is a malak. He is a messenger. He is Yada, which was the pen name I used for these books for the first 15 years that I wrote them. Mm-hmm. Yada means to know. There are hundreds of prophecies regarding what I call the little Z, since um, there are three Zeroa, two great ones, the two greatest men in human history, and one who somehow stumbled into this role because Yahweh was looking for someone and no one else was willing to do what I've been doing for the last 22 years. Hmm. So I am the third of three Zeroa. Moshe and Toad being the great Zeroah, strong arms of God, sacrificial lamb of God in the Dode's case, shepherds, guiding God's people back home. The reason God had so much to say about this mission is because, well, frankly, this is the battle royale. This is the purpose of October 7th. This is Satan's primary objective. And it is Yahweh's as well. The ultimate showdown. You see, my primary mission is to awaken Yisrael so that you are ready for the upcoming celebration of Teruah and then Yom Kippur. Teruah is the first of the seven Mikre which was not yet fulfilled, was not fulfilled in year 4,000, Yah, the first four years were. It will be fulfilled on the first day of the seventh month on Teruah in 2029. So less than six years from now. And I'm expecting 7,000 Yehudim and Israelites to be there for that harvest to return to Yah at that time. Now, that's one-tenth of one percent, less than uh, one-tenth of one percent of the Jews in Israel, and one-half of one-tenth of one percent of Jews worldwide. Three and a half years later, and I'm joined by Elia, on Passover, in 2030, be two weeks after the corporeal incarnation of Satan arrives, touting peace for Israel while he intends to destroy the nation. We will speak together on behalf of Yahweh to his people in Israel and Jerusalem from Mount Moriah for three years. And over that three years' time, our intent is for a minimum of 70,000, 1% of the Jews living in Israel now, to accept Yahweh, to come to know what he is offering and accept what he is asking so that you are there celebrating Yahweh's return with your Messiah, Dode. October 7th, or October 2nd, 622 p.m. in Jerusalem, as the sun finally sets on religion. 
Now, let me tell you what's going to happen on that day. So should you be concerned about all of the trouble in the world, not a single Muslim will survive that evening. Not a single Christian. Not a single Herodim. Not a single ultra-Orthodox, Orthodox, conservative, or Reformed Jew. Nor will any progressive. No communist. No fascist. No socialist. Anybody who is overtly political, overtly religious, anybody who is tremendously conspiratorial, all of you right-wing wackos out there, nope, all gone, instantly, humanely. Souls dissipated to nothing. If you want to enjoy the third of October in 2033, year 6,000 Yah, and you better know who Yahweh is, what he is offering, and what he expects in return. That is why we do this program. It's why we write these books. And for those that say, oh, well, you know, we've heard this before. No, you haven't. It's been 6,000 years, well, 10 years shy of 6,000 years, since Adam and Chawa were booted out of the garden. It's been 4,000 years since Abraham and Yishak affirmed the covenant of Mount Moriah with Yahweh, performing the dress rehearsal for Pesach. It's been 3,447 years, uh, less 10, since um, Moshe liberated the children of Yisrael along with Yahweh introduced Yahweh's name to his people. Happened in 1447 BCE. Well, a little more than 1400 and, or 2747 years ago. The cornerstone of Yahweh's home, the first temple, was laid in 968 BCE. Ten years shy of 3,000 years ago. Dod fulfilled the first four Mikre in 33 CE, 10 years shy of his return over a 2,000 year span, 40 year belt. This is where we are in the timeline. And the reason you've never heard this before is that while Yahweh had prophets who recorded his message, the greatest of them being Moshe, followed by Dode, then Yeshaya, Isaiah, but also Hosha, and Zephaniah, and Zechariah, and Malachi, Yermiah, that all of them spoke to the children of Israel about why it was aggravating Yahweh for them to continue to be religious, and about when Yahweh was going to return, and how you could be part of that covenant family that survives his return. However, none of them dated Yah's return. None of them 
came to you and said, you have 10 years. None of them had to remind you that Yahweh has a name, that it's Yahweh. None of them had to remind Israel that there are seven steps to God and that after Yom Kippurim is fulfilled, we come home on Sukkah, camping out with God, October 7th, sundown in Israel in 2033, year 6,000, yeah. Those are the, the steps to Yahweh. Those who have accepted the terms and conditions of the covenant are welcome along that path. To do that, according to the Torah, the, there are five conditions that must be met. The first is to walk away from Babel, the intermixing of religion and politics, the intermixing of truth and lies, religion, governance. You must walk away from those things, which is why I said there won't be a single Herodim, not a single Christian, not a single Muslim, not a single progressive that will survive Yahweh's return. You must disassociate those things because Yahweh is disgusted by them and does not want them into his home or family. Then you must walk to Yahweh and become perfected, which means you need to have the consequence and the penalty of those things sponged from your soul. That was why we talked about what Do did on Matzah when he carried our guilt with him, deposited it in, in Sheol so that it would never be seen again. So the second step of the covenant is to walk to Yahweh through the Moed Mikre to become perfect, perfected by him. The third step is to trust and rely on Yahweh. Well, to do that, first, you've got to embrace his name. Second, you've got to know who he is. Third, you've got to know what he is offering. Fourth, you have to know what he's expecting in return. You need to care enough to study the Torah and prophets. You need to have the courage to go where his words lead, even when they take you away from the things that you've been told are true. You need to stop trusting on the IDF. That's why I took the time to say they can't save you next time. They didn't save you last time. You can't rely on your government. It was counterproductive. It will get worse. You sure as hell can't rely on your religion. It is the thing that aggravates God more than anything else. When Elia returns, the number one subject that he's going to discuss is God's overall hatred of Judaism. Yes, God hates Islam. Yes, God hates Christianity. He calls it the plague of death. But they're not his people. You are. And therefore, God knows that Judaism has done more harm to Jews than Christianity and Islam combined. So the fourth condition of the covenant is to closely examine and carefully consider its terms and conditions. To know that there are five conditions, a prerequisite walking away from the babble of religion and politics, from your country, from your society. Ah, it's not, this is not geography here. 
This is the recognition that religion and politics and conspiracy corrupt. And you have to walk away from that babble. To walk to Yahweh on the path that he has provided, which means you cannot celebrate these mikra as the rabbis would have you do so. You know, for example, on a Passover plate, all they throw on is a zoroah, a bone of lamb. But it should be the main ingredient. They've got everything else on the plate. But what is important? They talk about everything about this date except what's important. What it means, it's the doorway to life. And they never do discuss it as part of Chag Matzah. But you need to understand what Chag Matzah represents, why it's the most important day each year, and how this leads to God's return on Kippurim, the Day of Reconciliations, which is not a day to twirl chickens over your head. And Sukkah is not a day to have the four kinds and to go off and spend a fortune for an ugly piece of bitter fruit. It means to camp out with God, your Father. So the fourth condition of that covenant is to closely examine and carefully consider the terms and conditions of the covenant. If you go to yadayah.com, yada means to know, yah is the familiar form of Yahweh's name, .com, you'll find a bookshelf, some 30 books on that shelf. The books right there in the middle that speak about the seven Moed Mikre, invitations, harvests, and appointments. We'll tell you all about those Mikre. The book prior to it, which is called Family, will tell you all about the terms and conditions and the benefits of the covenant. The first beginning will tell you all about creation and how the creation account is precisely accurate, including the time when it says that the heavens and the earth were created in six 24-hour days from the perspective of the creator. And Einstein was a Jew. You ought to consider what he had to say about relativity and then understand that we, do, we now know exactly how much time was stretched at creation because of the cosmic microwave background noise. And it's 10 to the 12th power. And if you take 14 billion years, you divide it by 10 to the 12th power, you have six 24-hour days. That's the kind of thing you're going to learn if you read beginning. The next chapter, our next volume is man. tells you all about what happened in the garden, which is important because God is returning us to the garden, not forever, but for a thousand years. The earth is returned to the conditions found in Eden where there was no religion and no politics and no conspiracies. Mm-hmm. What I have told you is that the day of days is Yom Kippurim. It is the battle royale. It's why I'm here. For Satan to prevail, he has to change Yom Kippurim to the day of doom. It's the number one discussed subject in the Quran. The day of doom. What Satan needs to have happen is for either every Jew to die or them to be terrorized into submission such that there are none of you who are there on Yom Kippurim when Yahweh and Dod are promised to return. 
There's no reason for Yahweh and Dod to return if there isn't a remnant of Yisrael looking up in anticipation of Yahweh's return on that day. And so if he can turn the day of reconciliation, the most important day on Yahweh's calendar from Yahweh's perspective, well, Matzah is the most important day on calendar from our perspective. If he can change that into the day of doom, into the day of punishment, into the day of judgment, then he wins. Yahweh would have no reason to return to earth. He'd have the first unfulfilled prophecy. There'd be no saving Yisrael. Satan presides over the earth that he has destroyed. I was called to this mission to keep that from happening. My job is to go from having zero Jews anywhere in the world saying, knowing, using Yahweh's name, embracing the five conditions of the covenant, attending the seven Moed Mikre as God invited us to attend them, being part of his covenant family, understanding that Dode is your Messiah, that he's the one who is returning, that he's also your Savior, that fulfilled those Moed Mikre. It is my job, empowered by Yahweh, to have there be from zero Israelites that know this to less than 10 years from now to have a minimum of 70,000. And six years from now when we celebrate the true harvest, 7,000. While we're doing this program, that's why I've written those books. That's why you've never heard anything like this before. But I'm here to tell you that October 7th occurred because for Satan to prevail and to keep Yahweh from returning, he needs to obliterate Jews. He needs to silence them, to cower them, to dehumanize them, to annihilate them. That's what October 7th was here to test. It's, it was the test for the big show, which is a hundredfold. It is thwarted by having a remnant of Yisrael embrace Yahweh's name. Having a remnant of Yisrael accept the terms and conditions of the covenant. Have a remnant of Yisrael answer the invitations to attend the Moed Mikre as God instructed. And I don't come here with just a summary voice. Look on that bookshelf. Pull the books down from beginning to end, starting with an introduction to God. Read through the end of them. There's more substance there than you've ever been provided in the history of the Jewish people. All from Yahweh. All irrefutable. For what I'm saying to be wrong, someone would have to prove that everything that I have written is wrong. Because if anything that I have written is is right, and it's all right, then everything I'm telling you is true. And no one has ever been able to disprove any of it. Not a word. I provide much more complete and accurate translations of Yahweh's testimony than ever before. And my commentary on Yahweh's testimony is inspired by his seven spirits.
specifically to awaken you. Again, I'm not selling you anything. I, I don't accept donations. I don't have a secret clubhouse. I don't have a following. I don't want a no. following. I don't want a clubhouse. I certainly don't want a religion. <laughs> I don't want your money. I don't, no. if I even don't even get to know you until this is all done and we're celebrating eternity with God, that's just fine. I do this actually not for you. I do this for Yahweh. Because somewhere along this journey with him, this 22 years now, I fell in love with him. And frankly, I want what he wants. And I've devoted my life to the thing that he wants most of all, which is for his people to come home, to stop being political, to stop being religious, to stop being stupid. You're the smartest people in the world. But when it comes to your God, you're stupid. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Start listening. Start reading. Be observant. Come to know Yahweh. He's wonderful. He's liberating. He's emancipating. He's empowering. He's enriching. He's approachable. He doesn't want you to bow down to him. He doesn't want you to worship him. He doesn't want your money. He just wants you to get to know him. And he hopes that once you get to know him, the same thing will happen to you that happened to me. That happened to Dode. You'll fall in love with him. Because then he can do everything as a father on your behalf. and Lift you up. Teach you. Guide you. Walk with you. Enjoy eternity with you. This is the answer. This is your hope. This is why we're here. This is why as bad as these next 10 years are going to be, that you can be like us and celebrate it, knowing that this is what must happen for God's people to finally awaken, finally be willing to listen. You know, it's been since the time of Moshe, 1447 BCE, been recalcitrant and obnoxious towards God. Read the waters of Mirabar. The story of the Exodus is not a story of celebrating how wonderful Israel is. It's a story of how obnoxious Israel is. And it's been that way all the way through. And God still hasn't given up on you, and so nor have I. We want you to come home. We want you to recognize that your homecoming is not to religion. It's certainly not to Bar Kokhba or Akiba or Mamamides. Mm-hmm. Sure as hell is not to the misnomer Jesus Christ. It's not to the mythos of progressive politics. It is to Yahweh. 
it is to dote. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. The reason that Christianity copied all of that and came up with this mythical Son of God, Messiah character is because that was the only way to create any credibility for this artificial construct. Christianity stole Dode's accolades and identity and then stole all of the promises Yahweh had made to Yisrael and Yehudim. I called it the plague of death. I don't think anyone has ever spoken to you, Yisrael, that has written a series of books, four volumes actually, renouncing Christianity. There is nothing ever written that does a more complete job of proving that the Christian New Testament and its principal founders, Peter and Paul, lied. They were demon-possessed. I have proven conclusively that the Christian New Testament is anti-Semitic and that it is nothing but a horrendous perversion and corruption of Yahweh's Torah and prophets. While at the same time, having written the most comprehensive analysis in opposition to the Sunnah and Hadith and Quran of Islam, one that now will be four times longer in four volumes, renamed Goddamn Religion. Do you know of anyone who has lived through the open condemnation of Islam and the open condemnation, writing eight volumes between them against Christianity, while at the same time writing three volumes against Judaism. You can read everything you need to know as to why Judaism is a complete fraud by turning to the Babel series of Yadiyahu. So here's a person introducing you to your God, the God of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. Yahweh. Who is the same fellow that has proven that Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are fraudulent and counterproductive. It doesn't happen every day. In fact, it hasn't happened in 6,000 years. Ever. And this is nothing superficial. You won't find opinions in any of these books. What you'll find is a comparison between what these demon-possessed advocates, Akiba, Amamides, Paul, Peter, Muhammad, had to say, and how it conflicts with what Yahweh had to say. All of them claim that they confirm the Torah, that they are the... um, they worship and that they are authorized by the God of Boshe and Abraham. 
when in fact they're just the opposite. It is the great irony that the institution that claims to provide access to God is the one that is the greatest hindrance to approaching him. But it's nonetheless true. So tonight, as we share with you all of the reasons why there really is no hope beyond Yahweh for Israel and Yehudim, there is every wonderful possibility for God's people. I've shared with you everything except the benefits of the covenant. They are five. I've shared the conditions of the covenant. They are five. I've shared the path that we walk to Yahweh, the seven steps that comprise his invitations to meet with him each year. I've shared with you what he has predicted will be your fate and when all of these things will transpire and why I'm the one who is talking to you about them. But let me share with you the five benefits of the covenant. I've hinted at them. The first is provided by Pesach. It is eternal life. The second is provided by Matzah. It is the perfection of our souls. The third is provided by Bakudim. It is being adopted into Yahweh's covenant family. The fourth and the fifth are both provided through Shabuah, where we are enriched and we are empowered as God's children. Rather than lifting God up in praise and worshiping him, which degrades him, it says that, that you think your God is somehow insecure and, and wants a praise bot. And that is demeaning. It's Yahweh, our Father, that is here to list us up, not the other way around. He is in a position to do it, where we're not. And it's counterproductive. It's like a two-year-old saying, here, Dad, let me see if I can balance you on my head. No. God is in a position to lift us up. And he, he does it through these five terms and conditions of the covenant when we accept them and the five benefits. I don't think I shared the fifth uh, condition of the covenant, but it is as a man to be circumcised and as a woman when uh, when giving birth to children to make certain that that our sons are circumcised on the eighth day. And the purpose of that is to recognize that we are to raise them in a way that they're cut into God's family and cut out of the family of man. Those are the five conditions. Those are the five benefits. They are provided through the Moed Mikre, which is the path we walk to God. We are now living in the fifth of those seven, and the most important day is on our horizon, which is the fulfillment of Yom Kippurim in year 6000, yeah. October 2nd, 622 p.m. in Jerusalem, 2033. That's where we are. That's what God is offering. That is what we continue to share and to write about. That is the reason why it was essential that I go back to Prophet of Doom and rewrite it as goddamn religion so that you would know what the adversary is attempting to do do with motivating progressives and Muslims alike to side against Jews, to degrade them, Mm -hmm. to dehumanize them 
to silence them, to eliminate them. Which you may not know, and this is again a, be a surprise to many, but if you really want to get to know who Satan is and what he is about, open the last two books in the series that I wrote called Babel, um, Venomous and Abominable. They cover the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, as it turns out, is very much like the Quran. Better written, of course, but you know everything is better written than the Quran. The Quran's the worst book ever written. Yeah. But Ezekiel is a uh, a more articulate version of the Quran, less repetitive, more articulate. Um, and at the opening sequence, which is the vision that he says is of God, no, it's of Satan. And from there, the, the story goes to 25 different ways to kill a Jew. And Jewish women, the source of future Jews, are raped by this, this demonic voice of Ezekiel. Whereas he continues to rant on the 25 torturous ways that he has to annihilate Jews. And this all goes until we have the same thing that is trumped throughout the Quran, which is the day of, of, uh, of uh, I'm trying to say, uh, resurrection. It's so stupid to me. I have trouble even saying the word. But the day of resurrection and the day of doom are the same thing in Islam. And in Islam, the same thing as is, uh, is many uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews where they think that they're going to have a physical resurrection. It's the dumbest idea in the world. It's completely counterproductive and limiting and, of course, impossible. But in Islam, you have to have a day of, of, uh, of being bodily resurrected because it's flesh of men with really puny brains that is being tantalized in Allah's brothel and its skin that is being singed and boiled and roasted mm-hmm. in all his hell. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason there's bodily resurrection. It's not going to happen. But what happens in Ezekiel? You've got the valley of the dry bones, of bones being re- resurrected to be an army for Satan. And what is he doing? It's the same thing that fills the Quran or all this mumbo-jumbo about Gog and Magog. Not true. But, but Satan wants you to know that you're going to fight this last battle and that he's going to raise this, this army of walking zombies to attack Israel. And what is his ultimate goal? His ultimate goal is to walk into what is a large version of Auschwitz that is plastered all over Jerusalem covering the entire city and even all of Judea with this monstrous concentration camp that is the alleged third temple where then he waltzes in on the first day of Abib two weeks before Elia and I arrive promising peace and he begins with the feast of the beast which he serves up cannibal style. You drink blood and you eat flesh. The flesh that you eat, mm-hmm. according to Hasatan, will be Dodes and mine. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen that way. 
And then no. it is his intent to make certain that all of the Moed Mikre are changed, that none of them will be practiced as, as Yahweh instructed, and that matzah in particular is eliminated, as is Yom Kippurim, replaced by his celebrations, because that is his intent. If he can preclude us from being successful, such that there aren't 70,000 Jews awaiting Yahweh's arrival with Dod on Yom Kippurim, then he will prevail. But spoiler alert, he loses. We win. And I want you to be among those who prevail with us. Be there for the party. Come join us. Become part of Yahweh's family. You'll fall in love with him too. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. Look at the last 3,500 years of the Jewish experience. When has it ever been good? When have you ever been right with God? Even when you had the Son of God and the Messiah leading you as your king, you led an uprising against him. Even when you had Moshe, the greatest man in human history in terms of character, you built a goddamn golden calf while he was up there getting the Torah. And then the modern, with the waters of Meribah, you were just flat out obnoxious. You know, you're celebrating Hanukkah, and I'm telling you, it was nothing but a one of many Jewish civil wars. It had nothing to do with God. It's a nine candle menorah, his is seven. Seven matters because there's the three mikre with Shabua in the middle, and then three in the fall. Teruah, Kapuram, Sukkah. On the other side, Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim. And you mess all that up with your replacement everything. Replacing Yahweh's name with Hashem. Replacing his menorah. Replacing his seven Moed Mikre. Replacing his Torah with the Talmud. You've replaced God in your lives. It hasn't worked out well for you. You know, the in definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different result. You are witnessing the result. It's what happened when the whole world rallied against you after bludgeoning you on October 7th. I want to tell you, it, it makes me angry, makes me sad to see what happened on that day. makes me angry, makes me sad to see how humanity around the world has taken the wrong side and reacted against Israel. No joke. And yet for the same reason I know that this is what needed to happen to get your attention. I don't think he would have listened to what I have to say, what Yahweh has to say, 
if you didn't know that your backs are against the wall, mm-hmm. that there is no other way out. This is where you are. This is why I began the program this way. You need to know that's where you are. That is your future. And unless you change, the same result is going to occur. It did not work out well for you against the Nazis. It did not work out well for you against the communists. It's not going to work out well for you against the progressives. It did not work out well for you against the Muslims. It did not work out well for you against the Romans. It did not work out well for you against the Greeks. It did not work out well for you against the Babylonians. It did not work out well for you against the Assyrians. It did not work out well for you against the Egyptians. And if you want that to change, you need to change your attitude towards Yahweh. Stop being religious and engage in the covenant relationship. And everything will change. You'll be celebrating as we are. Really, that's what I wanted to share on this program. We only have three minutes left. I, I wanted to, uh, to begin to go into coming home, and maybe we'll, we'll do that here for a, uh, a few minutes just to get back in the the uh, the saddle, as it were, for uh, for sharing what Yahweh has to share. So, why don't we do that? I've uh, I've covered what I wanted to share with you from the heart. Um, Thank you. And now I'm going to share with you from the research that we have done as we uh, began to analyze the Dodes Mismore. I don't know if you know it, Israel, but um, uh, if you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's one collection that uh, there are more of than the Torah or of Yahshua, the great prophet. And that is the collection of Mizmor Psalms from Dote. He is the most gifted orator of all time. He's the most brilliant man who ever lived. He's the only king who was also a prophet. He is the Messiah who was anointed with Yahweh's spirit. He's the only man in human history to have three lives. He was here and lived 1000 BCE. He was here, and that would have been in year 3000 Yah. He returned in year 4000 Yah. He will return again in year 6000 Yah. He is the exemplar of the covenant but also of Yisrael. He is your Savior. The opening chapter, uh, the opening chapter of Coming Home, Volume 1, is Desire the Torah. The byline is celebrating Yahweh's teaching. Torah means to teach, to guide, to direct, to instruct. It does not mean law. Uh, The Torah is not comprised of the Talmud, the Mishnah, or any other rabbinical writings. There is not an oral one and a written one, just a written one. God's preference is for the written word. We're going to stop broadcasting in in a matter of seconds, uh, but we will still um, be recording. So I'm going to share at least the lead up 
to the first psalm with you. Father and Son are returning. They're doing so in Yom Kippurim, the day of reconciliations in the Yobel year of 6,000 Yah. Do you know their names? Are you prepared to meet them? Do you know when, where, and why this will occur? Will you be there? The author of the first Mizmor Psalm is issuing an invitation to those who want to celebrate with him. In the process, he is revealing insights which are cathartic, transformational. They're profound. And he's in a position to do so. Because the lyricist of the Psalms is the very son of God. He's a Nabi prophet of the first order. He's Hamasiach, the Messiah. He is the exemplar of Yisrael, of individuals who engage and endure with God. And he is the exemplar of the Bereth Covenant. Now, while that's a stout beginning to a worthy resume, the best in human history, the opening chorus of the first song reveals that what he has said and done is a benefit to those who disassociate from the rhetoric of their religions, the platitudes of the political, and the confounding babble of the conspiratorial. Having done so personally, he not only knew the joy associated with being liberated from these controlling and degrading schemes, he was prepared to lead those answering his invitation to the very same fortuitous place God had taken him. We speak to you tonight. We write for you because we have been there. We are there. We have left the world of men, and we have joined the realm of God. We want you to join us there. Therefore, the most extraordinary individual in human history. My king, I am his herald. He is offering to walk with us along the straightforward and correct path that gives meaning to life albeit with a caveat. There is a prerequisite because his invitation is only for those willing to forego the caustic and disorienting, the degrading influence of religion, politics, and conspiracy. It is not a coincidence that this same condition serves as the covenant's lone prerequisite. Now, Dode's guided tour away from mankind's pervasive schemes, and if you're unfamiliar with that name, Dode, that is actually how you pronounce his name. It's Deleth Wa Deleth. reads the same left to right as it does right to left. In the original Hebrew language, it would be a uh, the um, doorway um, with a, a tent peg in the middle, which would expand and and secure and enlarge a home. His name means beloved. It's a verb. And so many of Hebrew's concepts are actionable. Uh, Dode's name means beloved. He was Yahweh's beloved. 
And the nice thing about Dode is that while he's a lot smarter than you and me, well, he's a lot more articulate than you and me, he's a lot more courageous than you and me, mm-hmm. he's um, no better than you and me. He's flawed in all the ways we're flawed. And the reason that is so is not only because he's human, but because God chooses to work with us. And the only us there is is flawed. We all have our flaws. And so Dode is no different, except he is such a, a, an enormous individual in terms of, of what he's contributed to humankind. His are just bigger than the rest of ours because he's greater than us in every other way. But that makes us understand that God can perfect the imperfect. That makes us understand that this notion that Paul wrote that if you violate any part of the Torah, you're guilty of it all, is nonsense. The Torah does not exist to convict. It exists to exonerate. And Dode is the perfect example of that. He was perfect in God's eyes because he accepted the terms and conditions of the covenant and because he not only benefited from the Mikre, he fulfilled them. All of them. Dode's guided tour away from mankind's most pervasive schemes to enjoin Yahweh's company is through the Torah. In fact, Dode wrote the most comprehensive analysis ever on how to properly observe the Torah. It's called the 119th Mizmor. He takes each of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and writes eight stanzas about from the perspective of each letter in alphabetical order, telling us exactly how we can get the most out of the Torah. And the first thing you would do is throw away the Talmud. Yes. And recognize that Torah means teaching. Yes. This is strictly an academic exercise. We approach Yahweh in our brains. You want to see God observe his Torah. He's right there. You can meet him through Dode's Mismore. Our guide, Dode, lived it. And to a greater extent, even than Moshe, who contributed to writing it. Now, realizing that Moshe endured 40 years of herding cantankerous and contentious Jews through the wilderness because they were too religious to enter the promised land, to claim that Dode, the beloved, lived the Torah to a greater extent than Moshe, the one who draws us out, is a revolutionary notion. But it's true. And he will prove it. And when you discover why, It will transform your life. Now, before we go there, a word about that other name. It's not just about Dode, it's about Yahweh. He just so happens to be El, God. Despite what you may have been told, his name is readily known. It is easily pronounced, just as his Torah, T-W-R-E. H. The ah sound is from the hey. The o sound is from the wa. Put it together in Yahweh, and what do you have? Yahweh. It's that easy. 
if you don't know how to pronounce the yod, well, what did Yahweh say his name was based on? A verb, actionable, to exist. Hi, Yah. That's it. Hi, Yah and Torah, you got the proper pronunciation of every syllable in Yahweh's name. Name means I exist. When you look at it in the original language, the original alphabet, it's a hand, an open hand, with the forearm and upper arm reaching down and out to us with an open hand, and then two people standing to the left and right of a wall again, this tent peg that secures and enlarges a home. Those two people are Abraham and Sarah. Two people standing up, reaching up, observing. Yahweh. His name explains it all. It's God reaching out and down with an open hand to the two people reaching up to him, paying attention to him, who are now secured and safe as a result. Yahweh's name is the answer to what happened on October 7th. It is the answer for everything that's going to transpire over the next decade. If you are not yet among those who know Yahweh's name, who accept it, who use it, which would include everyone who is religious, then you are not currently part of his bereft covenant family. And therefore, you are estranged from God. Should, you, should that be true for you, then you're going to want to pay especially close attention to what to do David has to say regarding his invitations to walk with him and benefit from him along this path that he is enlightening to Yahweh. And now a word about our God. His name is DWD. Dote means beloved. He and his father Yahweh will demonstrate beyond any doubt that the author of the Mizmor song deserve every accolade bequeathed to him. And these include Ben-El, son of God, Hamasiach, the Messiah, Bakur, firstborn, and Malek came. He is also our Ra'ah shepherd. He is the chosen one. He is the ultimate Zeroah, sacrificial lamb, and strong arm of God. Turns out, he is also our Yasha, He's our savior. This distinction was earned during his second of three lives along uh, among his people. You, like many, uh, are likely aware of some of what he accomplished as king of Israel, considering how his legacy is discounted and misappropriated in religious circles. However, I suspect that there's very few of you that actually know why Yahweh chose Dod when he was eight years old. Why he anointed Dod three times beginning at eight years of age and why the Ruach spirit enveloped him. I'll bet you that those that haven't at least read Coming Home don't know why Dod volunteered to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, and Bakorim, and then why Yahweh accepted those offer, or how you can benefit from it. 
But if you listen, if you read, you will know. Dode's life, his lyrics, and his loves were tumultuous. They were cerebral, and they were also emotional. Brilliant, most of the time, dim-witted some of the time. Courageous, most of the time, but sometimes even cowardly. He was the man. He was every man. He was much more than a man. Doge returned to Endure Chag Matza, which, as I've shared, is comprised of Pesach, Matza, and Makotam. On behalf of his people and for the covenant family, in the Yobel year, the time that deaths are forgiven, slaves are freed, and the land is returned. Of 4,000 Yah, that would make it the 80th Yobel year after Adam and Chawa were exiled from the garden. It's boldly and irrefutably proclaimed throughout the Mizmor and the Nabi, the prophets and Psalms. And yet fewer than one in a million people are aware of his heroic and altruistic second coming. And even then, knowing what he has done for us is less important than realizing why he volunteered to do so and how it was accomplished and how we can benefit. Admittingly, the clue Dode has provided with the first word of his initial song is far more subtle than uh, I have been up to this point in this introduction. It's based upon Ashery, a compound of Asher to benefit from the relationship and Ani, me. Asher is among the most expressive words in the Hebrew lexicon. As a verb, noun, name, relational pronoun, particle, and conjunction. It speaks of being blessed and becoming joyous by receiving the benefits of the relationship. This occurs by walking along the correct path to give meaning to life in its fullest, ultimately standing safe and free. Maybe the greatest word of all of the words throughout the Torah. And it is interesting that Twenty-two years ago, when I began this mission, the word that drew me into this mission was Asher. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a prophecy that, oh, I bet I have now translated 20 times. Uh, second Samuel, listen to him, seven, where Yahweh says that when uh, sin is associated, Asher, with him, that he would not spare the rod. And I knew that every English translation was wrong. I didn't know by how much. But it was by coming to understand the fullness of this word that I was introduced to Yahweh, got to know him personally. And it was in the process of learning what Asher means in its fullest connotation that I fell in love with translating and, well, there's now over 30 books on the Yada Yada shelf yeah. at yadayada.com that well, all began with this first word. So 
the first word of Dode's first song is near and dear to me as it should be near and dear to you. Yes. Dode is revealing that we can travel along this path together to a more fulfilling and joyous existence while he shares the benefits with those who join him along the way. As we read further into his initial pronouncement, we find ourselves being drawn away from religious rhetoric and political platitudes and then to Yahweh's Torah. Once there, we are encouraged to ponder its implications day and night. Collectively, that's an amazing opening salvo for the most remarkable of men. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, here are the words that Dode scribed for our benefit. The first words that the most brilliant man who ever lived wrote for you and me. Ashri, joyful, with me, blessed by me, is the individual who, as a result of this relationship, Asher, does not walk lohalak in the counsel of those who are religious and incorrect, ba etza rasha, does not stand in the way of those who are misleading, chata, neither sits nor dwells in the company of those who babble, confounding by scoffing and ridiculing let's. Instead, by contrast, within the Torah teaching and guidance of Yahweh is what is valuable and what matters to him. And in his Torah, the directions and instructions, he meditates, giving serious thought and consideration to the information so as to speak decisively day and night. Mismore, lyrics to be sung, Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Boy, that is beautiful, comprehensive, insightful, pertinent, and exceedingly well written. Mm. Joyful with me and blessed by me. Asherah, fortunate in the relationship with me, stepping along the straight forward and correct path which gives meaning to life with me, providing the proper place to stand and live as a benefit, a compound of Asher to benefit relationally with Ani, me, is the individual, Ha-Yish, who as a result of the relationship, Asher, who is elated and favored through the association, taking the proper strides to live productively and prosperously, blessed by the benefits of striding along the crest path, does not walk lohalak, does not journey through life in the counsel of those who are religious and incorrect. Ba etza ratza, and the advice of a con man advocating religious schemes through his rhetoric in the criminal promotion of a revolting authority figure with a plan causing those who believe in it to be unjust, immoral, and condemned as guilty. He does not stand, lo Ahmad. He is not present, does not engage, endure, or remain 
unfortunately, these things that we're not doing are all written in the perfect, which means the moment we stop doing them, we are um, fine with God. In the way of those who are misleading, neither sits or dwells in the company of those who babble, let's, ridiculing those who are presumptuous in their interpretations, who are arrogant, who deride, mock, scorn, causing derision through contempt. Instead, by contrast, ka'em, however, genuinely and honestly within the Torah, the teaching and guidance, the instructions and directions of Yahweh, that is an accurate transliteration of the name of Eloah, God, guided by his Torah instructions on his Haya existence and our Shalom reconciliation, is what is valuable and matters to him. Chepetzu gives his life meaning, purpose, such that he is pleasing and accepting. And in his Torah, Yahweh's Torah, directions and instructions, he meditates, giving serious thought, consideration to the information so as to speak decisively, he reads and ponders, thinking intently and decides and roars to remove what does not belong day and night. So how does Dode begin his opening conversation with us? By telling us, don't be religious and instead value what Yahweh is teaching us in his Torah. Yeah. Unmistakable. He begins with Asher. Join me there. Benefit with me. Benefit from me. Take this walk along with me. He introduces you to God's name, Yahweh. He had no problem writing it. He had no problem saying it. He loved Yahweh's name. And the Torah is Yahweh's. It's not rabbinical. It is comprised of direction and instruction, teaching and guidance for our lives. It's what matters to us. It's what matter. It should matter to you. Well, that's a good start. We are um, now within moments of Blog Talk Radio telling us goodbye. I'm delighted that with the message still up there on Blog Talk Radio that that their broadcast system is defunct, that we were able to get through this program. And, uh, I am delighted to be able to talk to you from the heart about uh, what you're facing, Yisrael, and to be able to call you home. Yahweh loves you. He wants you to know him and love him in return. Good night. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Yada. Good night. Yes, thank you. Night. Night. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.